You found the Diggin' Oak Island podcast, the podcaster's journey to discover the truth behind the Oak Island mystery. I'm Dave McBride. Thank you so much for joining me. If you have been listening to our show and you'd like to support us, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Island to learn more. All right, before we begin um, the final episode review podcast here for season nine, I just wanted to kind of lay out the schedule for the podcast in the coming week. There will be no podcast next week. I'll be out of town. Uh, but what I want to do is I want to, for the podcast two weeks from this week, I want to do uh, something of a season nine review. And and I certainly would like your help with that. This is something that we always do. So email me any thoughts you had on what we saw this past season you know, things like what it all means for the history, what you thought of the season itself, uh, where the Oak Island mystery stands. You know, you can give your grade on that, that kind of thing. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Just your thoughts on season nine. Send them to me at digginoakisland at gmail.com and then we could talk about them on the next podcast. I think that's a great way to sort of not only um, start the conversation off about season nine, but also get a good feel of where the fandom, the Oak Island fandom really is after a season is over. Okay, it's time to answer your questions and comments for this week, and we'll begin on the Patreon with Mark, who writes, just caught up on episode 24. All their quote-unquote undeniable evidence they are finding in Portugal seem a bit of a stretch to me. They are just looking for things to fit their narrative. Wishful thinking. Find it hard to imagine Corian actually buys into all this stuff. Far-fetched at best. Uh, in regards to the Rexstall's spiral staircase around the money pit, didn't the Halifax company dig a spiral tunnel around the pit trying to find the flood tunnels? Uh, Mark, I do recall kind of that idea about the Halifax company. I, I, the thing about that group of treasure hunters is that it's not really well known what they did. The records that they kept were sparse as far as I can tell. Now, certain other people who are involved may not, you know, in researching the Oak Island mystery might not agree with my interpretation of that. But that's always kind of been my feeling is that there's a lot of surprises that kind of circle around the Halifax company. I just don't think they really kept a lot to uh, to, the, to all that. Um, I'll look into a bit more and see what I can find. My quick look through their uh, official, you know, sort of documents that they've put out there over the years doesn't have that in particular. It doesn't mean it wasn't done. Uh, again, regard with the rest alls and the theory that we talked about, I don't think they felt they discovered, in air quotes, um, a spiral staircase or a spiral passage surrounding the money pit. I believe that was more of a theory which they formulated based on what they were seeing in certain areas. And it might have been something that, um, you know, might have been because they were misinterpreting previous searcher stuff. If, if memory serves, the likely culprit of that theory was indeed previous searchers and not original depositors. But again, when we talk about these things, we don't have them here to ask anymore. So we're stuck with only what information they kind of left behind. And oftentimes that just isn't very complete. And that's certainly the case with the Halifax company. Anyway, Mark, great stuff. I just want to thank you uh, for becoming a patron and for all of you who joined the patron this year and, um, and started supporting the podcast. I, I can't tell you how great that is for me and how much that uh, motivates me to keep this going. And we're going to do our best to make this off season, uh, you know, the best one we've had yet. All right, let's go now to an old friend of the show, Jock, who writes, hi, Dave, thanks for all your work and I'm trying to unravel this show. 
I still plan to donate soon. Well, let me stop here. Thank you, Jock. Uh, let me take the opportunity to mention as well. We talked a lot about the Patreon, um, but that might not be for everybody because that's like a five bucks a month thing. It's meant to sort of spread your donation, a larger donation over a monthly period. But if you're, I've been asked this a couple times. If you want to send a one-time donation into the show to help the uh, help the show out, keep us going, and all that kind of stuff, because you know we don't really we have some ads now and again. We don't make a lot of money off that kind of stuff, and it certainly uh, ends up being a hobby. And my wife looks at me like, "How much time are you spending on your hobby today?" Uh, so, if you want to help out the show, the show with a one-time donation. Um, you could do it via Venmo. I am also a musician by trade, if you haven't heard this. And so I set up a Venmo for things like tips during the COVID shows and stuff like that. And that is at Dave McBride Music. Anyway, enough of the shameless plugs. Sorry about that. Let's go back to Jock's email. He writes, I know where these guys are going now. They need to give us a cliffhanger to get another season, assuming they do not find the truckload in the fifth can in next week's last show. I think all they need is to find a few things and then have to spin them into Portuguese connection. And if the Portuguese, they have to be Templar. Come on, perhaps a less than 1% chance. Oh, that's probably true. Uh, they keep using the word scientific, but most of the show is postulation. They bring in experts for their evaluations, but never someone from the British Museum, for example, or even a second opinion. I used to live in Newfoundland, and I have always known about the Portuguese connection there. The Portuguese have been coming over to the New World since the 1500s just to fish. Another thing, how many ways can one build a stone road? Just go out and buy Stone Road for Dummies at your local bookstore. Does that exist, Jock? Maybe it does. I'm not an engineer by profession, but if I was going to build a stone road, I would use common sense and adjust to the local circumstances. First, I get a really big rocks to lay the foundation. There should be rocks around the one close to the beach. Uh, if a swampy area, I would put more down if, until it stays stable. The same principle is used with building with tall buildings and bridges. You want them to be stable. I would make it as wide as the current wagon width. If anyone in the world is using the same style wagons, this, the roads in the world would be a similar width. Sorry, he wrote, if everyone in the world. Uh, then you put in medium-sized rocks and finish it off with smaller, flatter rocks so you minimize the bumps. Driving down a road with potholes is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I live in Jersey. Believe me, it's not fun, uh, especially if the wagon is filled with gold. If you want the road to be smooth, ever try pushing a wheelbarrow filled with gravel down a road with potholes and furrows? The wheels get caught up and you have to push harder to get them out. I would say that my stone road would look very much like a Roman road, depending on how many people would be available to go rock hunting. I would say all stone roads in the world should look similar, not because they were built by the Templars to hide treasure, but because they used common sense and trial and error. By the way, I'm still not convinced the Oak Island roads are uh, Rogue Island rocks are a road. It looks too bumpy. Fish drying, maybe. Um, all for now. Cheers, Jock. Okay, Jock. I want to say a couple of things. Um, perhaps it's not a road. Um, but the linear quality of it and the way we're seeing this certainly makes it look like that's a better possibility than fish drying my mind. Um, the other thing you said is, you know, everybody would build the same kind of road. And I, and I agree with that. I just think the difference between medieval roads and Roman roads was, uh, believe it or not, even though it was hundreds of years before the Romans had a lot more resources at hand. So they were building roads sometimes for the sake of building a great road rather than just to build a path used to get from point B to point, you know, point A to point B, um, that kind of thing, if that makes sense. So there has, 
when I've looked into this, there definitely have been, um, uh, you know, differences in the roads built for in the medieval period, not by the Romans, because it's obviously just done with less time on their hands and less resources. And you could see the difference. The thing I question about the road is how do we know that it is at all mysterious, right? That's the first part. I mean, it's mysterious because it was found and people didn't know it was there, but Oak Island was farmland and crops and livestock need to be taken to and from the island. This was a time before the causeway. So all that would need to be done by boat. Why can't the road just be from a farmer looking to make his life a little easier with getting things to and from a boat dock? And then after all, after a few years and the building of the main road, cutting the swamp off from the ocean, the rocks start to get buried. I mean, they're not very far under the surface, right? Certainly not in Lot 15. I'll say it like this. I'm definitely interested in the Stone Road. I have seen enough to be curious as to what this might be and why it is where it is. I've seen nothing to convince me it was built by the Templars, the Portuguese, or even by anyone all that mysterious. I'm not saying it isn't mysterious. I just haven't seen enough yet, that's all, to actually think that this is anything more than a little archaeology to find uh, something interesting about Oak Island that probably happened in the 18th century. I hope that makes sense. Jock, it is always great to hear from you. Anyway. Let's finish up our little email section with uh, an email from Tim who has quite a few questions. So I'm actually going to stop and answer them as we go along here. He writes, Dave, I love your show. It adds so much to the actual show that I listened to your podcast before watching the show with my wife on a Friday night. The history of the island and the investigations of the finds are great. That's why I love your show. You add a ton of info and uh, thank you for that. Thank you for the kind words there. On to my questions. Why did all this sonic drilling in the money pit why didn't they drill to bedrock so they knew actual depth of the holes? Seems like it would have been helpful when deciding to do the 10-foot caissons. Okay, as I said, I'm going to stop here. Let me answer it like this. I cannot say for sure that that isn't exactly what they did, that they didn't know exactly where this was going to be. And we just didn't see it on the show for whatever reason the editors may have had, right? Now, we complained a lot about this this year, about how quickly they seemed to jump to ending a caisson when it seemed like they didn't do much to verify that going further down was indeed truly hopeless. Well, my friend, you may be right on to why that was, right? Because they did have that information. Perhaps this is the reason why they knew at that time that they were going to stop because the sonic drilling told them they were on bedrock. And they may have even drilled further down and found nothing. And we know they don't like to say they found nothing. Maybe they did know exactly how far they went or could go before they ever even started these cans. It makes sense because, like you said, they did drill those drill holes right there. Anyway, he continues. A few episodes ago when they were drilling the fourth case on and hit a void, in quotes, where the case went down quickly, why didn't they stop and drop a camera or a diver? There was an obvious void. Pull the case up and take some time to investigate. They keep stressing that they are looking for tunnels. Might this have been one? Uh, Tim, you know, that really was a head scratcher. And my answer always is maybe they didn't. We just didn't see it. I'm not sure about this one, though. Right. Um, again, unless they were expecting what they found here from the previous work they did. But either way, I don't know. It just it was a huge drop and no one wants to know why. I mean, I'm with you on that. The, these are the kinds of things that make me question 
just how little we're actually being told about what's getting done here, right? And I don't think there's any clandestine reason for that. I think that's just an editorial, an editing choice. I mean, that the idea that they found this can dropping and then didn't investigate, it just doesn't line up with me. I wish I had a good answer on this one. I really don't. Back to the email. A few years ago, they did the seismic exploration of the whole island. They showed the results over two seasons. Wouldn't these have shown the depth or sweet spots to drill to? Yeah, once again, the producers might have dropped this exploration because it didn't seem show-worthy. But why not that chamber that was found? Uh, again, they did show us a bunch of places. That did intrigue them. Uh, and they certainly did seem to investigate most of them, if not all of them. The ones they did investigate, however, and what we got to see, turned out to be nothing. Patches of sand, I think, in most places. Uh, so can we conclude that we just saw a couple of these investigations and that the other ones were failures just like that? And remember, sonic drilling was going to be the thing that was going to map the underground of the money pit. We're about to hear of another one of those things that promises to map the money pit. Uh, so who knows? You know, But it makes sense to me. Um, we know how much the showrunners hate to broadcast bad news. So if they did indeed look at all of these and found nothing but sand, you could see why it would... Uh, not make the show. Anyway, let's continue. Why don't they save all these field trips for the off season, like the start of winter? I'd love to see more shows in a season, over two seasons to the show. Uh, this week's trip was great. Show Showing the church in Portugal is interesting and full of great information about the Templars and what they were capable of. In closing, thank you for your time spent producing this podcast, Tim. Uh, great stuff, Tim. I mean, I couldn't agree more. The last couple of episodes have been really great to watch, and I wish they dedicated maybe two or three full episodes to all of this because it's fascinating stuff. Uh, I mean, regardless of what you think about the validity of any possible connection to Oak Island, uh, it still is really cool. Anyway, thank you so much, Tim, for a great email. Keep them coming. That's all for the emails this week. If you have any comments or questions for me, uh, you can, and you would like to see discussed in a future podcast, just email diggingoakisland at gmail.com. All right, before we get started on this week's episode, I just want to mention a couple of things about the drilling down that took place. The Freemasons fever, I forget what it was called, but there was a, a, an episode with Matty Blake, the drilling down thing, where he was basically going over the Freemason connection. Uh, and it wasn't really the Freemason connection. I, what I liked about the show is that it it starts off by telling us about, the, you know, talking about the different dating, especially in the swamp. There's dates from the 12th century and the 17th century and all points in between. And, ba and they talk about Zena's map and they talk about all this kind of stuff and how the dates don't add up to a single thing, you know, to a single event. And they bring on James McQuiston, which was obviously I have a book I have to buy now because James McQuiston has put out another book. He's the guy with the theory about the Knights Baronet, who are sort of a Nova Scotia... Um, aristocracy, I guess, uh, knighthood. They're the people that helped the founding of Nova Scotia, which is why it's called Nova Scotia, which means New Scotland. Um, but what I liked about it was that the show, what the show did is try to create a theory around why these dates don't add up. And that theory is the Templars, 
you know, when Corian Mall talks about the Templars leaving Portugal via Scotland to take their treasure away from persecution in Europe, they came to Nova Scotia, as the theory would be, to bury on Oak Island. And then there were a bunch of organizations over the centuries who came to either retrieve it or try to retrieve it. And that's the big difference, right? So those could mean a lot of things. It could mean the order of Christ from years, you know, from just a century later. It could mean uh, the Rosicrucians. It could mean the Knights Baronet from the 17th, 18th century. Or it could mean the Freemasons. Um, I'm not sure how good the connection is to, to Freemason beyond I not let me say it like this. I'm not sure that there is a connection between those groups and the Templars. The only one I'm sure of that has that actual concrete connection is the Order of Christ from Portugal, who we've talked about quite a bit. Um, the other ones, the connection is circumstantial. I would say tangential at best. Uh, no proof of it. And I've asked a lot of Templar historians over the years whether or not there is a concrete connection between. Uh, specifically the Masons and the Templars? And the answer is no, there is not. There's centuries in between and a lot of lost information. Um, so it's it's difficult to see that theory working, but I like the theory because it makes an explanation behind why we're getting all these crazy dates. Um, the other thing I wanted to just mention a couple of things. While they do this, they talk a lot about symbols and symbols found on Oak Island. They've done this the last couple of years. Uh, they mentioned the H.O. Stone again. Now, I just want to put it this way because I've talked about the H.O. Stone before. It is most likely a modern invention. It is not from an original depositor. Don't know what it's all about. Nobody knows for sure. But it had a 1800s date on it before it was blown up, uh, which they talk about. Uh, so anyway, the point of me mentioning that was you got to kind of keep that stuff in mind. Um, yes, it could be there, but it's the Templars didn't. Put that there. And the other thing that Maddie says is something about Masonic symbols being on the uh, carved into the 90 foot stone. I just always want to caution people. He doesn't know that. What he's looking at is there's 90 foot symbols carved into the rep reproduction uh, that was done decades later. And uh, there was no etching, there was no picture, no nothing of what was on this stone. When the stone was seen, a lot of it had been taken off, so we can't really verify any of that stuff. And if you're trying to make a mysterious thing, you'd make some symbols, and if you're making some crazy symbols, I mean, you'd probably look into secret society symbols if that's what you wanted to do. So it all kind of adds up as sort of a possible hoax, not the 90-foot stone itself, but the uh, image that we see. Anyway, that's all I want to say about that. Let's discuss now season nine. Episode 25 of The Curse of Oak Island called Treasure Island, the season finale. It's always a sad day for those of us who love this show as we now have months to go before our favorite television show comes back on the air. Now, I say this a lot, but this is going to be a short episode review as there really wasn't much to discuss here. There was a lot of review in all of this about season nine's work and a couple of projects being wrapped up for the winter. And that was about all there was. The guys are back from Portugal, and Rick is seen going around the island, checking on progress. He goes over to Lot 15, where over the last couple of weeks, uh, the folks were exploring a possible extension of the Stone Road slash wharf found in the swamp earlier this year. 
Here we see archaeologist Laird Niven uh, beginning to excavate around this new area, but he admits even himself that the work is probably going to need to wait until spring. There's a lot of review here, lots of the same scenes we saw over the last few weeks about a Portuguese connection and all that. We've talked a lot about this over the past couple of weeks, so there isn't much reason to repeat any of this. Uh, I don't want to repeat myself. I know a lot of people complain about the show repeating itself, so I'm not going to do so. Um, Later, we see Gary Drayton also metal detecting over in this area. Um, And in what seemed like sort of a parting shot to the fans, (laughs) he finds yet another Akshu. And I got to say, those of you who joined me on the Patreon for a live discussion during the show, which we do every week, you all showed a lot of restraint here. A serious um, lack of snarky comments that I was expecting as soon as that Akshu got pulled out. I mean, we did get a couple. Ginger wrote, not another Akshu. And Eric said, Gary jumped the shark with his excitement over the damn Akshu. <laughs> but then again, also Brian added, yes, something happened here that required a lot of oxen, Marty. Farming. That was really it. It just kind of seemed light to me. Uh, I was expecting a lot more sort of exasperation from the fans who have complained a lot about how many ox shoes we've been forced to look at. Uh, Let me also mention that JC1166 wrote on the Patreon, use use an ox shoe for hauling boulders off a beach or clearing trees for farming, for hauling logs to build homes. You're absolutely right. There are a lot of reasons to have done this, to have built this road and to put ox on it none of which have to do with burying a treasure, or only one of which has to, right? All right, anyway, let's quickly head over to the money pit. They're finishing up the fifth and final caisson for the year. It's called B4C, and it seems the Nova Scotia weather has gotten to Gary Drayton as he was clearly struggling with a cold or something like that. But that man's positive energy cannot be put down, no matter how congested he might be. About uh, 90 feet down, you see the hammer grabs start pulling out some really big timbers. And Rick notes that, quote, uh, they don't know of any previous searcher activity in this area. If that's the case, then this is very exciting to see these kind of timbers. Although, again, I mentioned this already, I always caution with you guys that not all of the treasure hunters who came and worked on Oak Island did a good job detailing exactly what they did and where they did it. So you don't always know that that's true. Um, it's just it's nothing in the record. So Rick is not lying about that. He's just there's just no way to know for sure. Terry Matheson and Rick also seem very excited that this might be a possible tunnel they're looking at. Gary says something like, we can follow the tunnel right to the treasure. But as we'll come to learn, that's not something that's going to happen, at least not this year. Um, And, you know, it did look like a tunnel because they went through and found nothing from that point. So anyway, while searching through the spoils from the hammer grab, Gary finds an old nail and and something that looked like a large hand forged spike. Now, later in the episode, blacksmithing expert and Corvette driver Carmen Legg uh, says it's not a spike, but is instead what he calls a rock drill and an old one. So does this mean we're looking here at evidence of pre-1795 tunnel in the money pit? Well, maybe, but we got to do some more exact dating on this and dating of the woods and then uh, the wood that they found. And maybe we, we can say that, but we didn't see anything like that done in this episode. So we're going to have to just sort of leave it as a mystery of what this could be and hope that when we come back in season 10, we'll hear more about it. A few feet after finding this wood, like I said, they started encountering nothing but dirt and limestone. So again, it kind of makes you think that the guys kind of went straight through a tunnel. Makes sense to me, right? I mean, something along those lines. It wasn't a shaft. 
After about a depth of 130 feet, the can hits bedrock and work is halted. Uh, right around here, the narrator says something, uh, and I don't have the exact quote, but he says something like, all five cans yielded evidence that the treasure is still there to be found. And I got to tell you, man, that had me scratching my head. I mean, is that really true? All five cans found evidence that <laughs> that there is uh, something to be found down there? Um, evidence the treasure is still there? That's what I, I'm not sure about that. I mean, it was even a stranger line when you consider that just a few moments later, Marty says he and the team were, quote, disappointed in the results at the money pit. Um, that, to me, seems a more accurate description of what really happened this year over at the money pit. Okay, it's time to kind of wrap things up a bit. But before I do that, I just want to mention uh, one other thing that we saw here, and that was the Muon technology coming to the island and work beginning on that. Um, they told you on the show what this is all about, but if the people from, I think it's Ideon, the company doing this out of Vancouver, Vancouver are to be believed, this is going to be the best way to get a really good idea of where things are under the ground on Oak Island. Remember, this is the technology, the cosmic rays technology that one of the producers said would quote unquote solve the mystery. But the issue here is this technology takes months and months to get good data. So that explains why we never saw this happening when it actually happened, which even from these scenes appears to be sometime in the summer as the guys are in short sleeves and taking shelter from the sun in these scenes. So there really isn't much to say here again, but I just want to mention a uh, Peter sent me in an email that focuses on this. He wrote short sleeves, lots of sun, no jackets. It was summer when the Muon drill holes were started before the 10 foot caissons, which we knew from the very first two preseason drilling downs. So that meeting with Ideon was maybe May or June, very misleading to present the meeting as if it happened after the caisson drilling ended. Why not level with us? Why not show that meeting months ago? Kind of dishonest, don't you think? Uh, P.S. Maybe ask listeners to share their favorite worst and uh, favorite and worst moments from the season for a future show. Peter, that's a great idea. You guys can absolutely do that for next week's show. Um, Peter, I wanted to put it out there because you speak for other people. This kind of thing, this timeline manipulation bothers a lot of viewers. It does not bother me, um, but it does bother other people. So I have I wanted to put that out there because I'm I know there are other people who agree with you on that. Um, we're just going to have to wait to see when this data comes in, I guess, which will probably be sometime next year. And like I said earlier, we've kind of heard that this is this not the first time somebody's come on with technology that's going to map the underground of the money pit. So let's see what this actually looks like. The episode here, the finale ends in a war room meeting, a sort of 2021 debrief session. You know, There are a lot of review scenes here going back over the main events of season nine. I'm going to ignore the government interference nonsense, except to say that Laird Niven is not sure they will allow the team to continue working anytime soon in the area where the archaeologists found evidence of Mi'kmaq presence, the First Nations in the area. It was certainly a very cut up scene, and, and I'm sure Laird had a lot more to say, so hopefully I can convince him to get him back on the podcast this summer and go over this kind of stuff. But, you know, I get asked all the time, if you think they're they're exaggerating this, why are they doing so? Well, a scene like this makes me wonder if the team really does, in fact, want to search over here. Because, I mean, isn't it possible that they discover that this stone road and all the mysteries, the eye of the swamp and all that kind of stuff is, in fact, 
First Nations in origin and isn't really anything mysterious, not from the Templars or from the Portuguese or from the Rosicrucians or whoever. I mean, would it be good to just sort of say the government won't let me search and then just never search again because maybe Laird already knows what we're starting to look at a little bit here. I don't know. Just a thought. Uh, Anyway. The team certainly seems in a very down mood during this war room meeting. And who can you blame him, right? Uh, It's hard not to understand why. I mean, this was just, without getting too much into it, a very disappointing year for the team and their search. It just was. This was, um, think about just these three things, right, as far as why I think it's disappointing. One, the aforementioned government work. No matter what the uh, real extent of it is, there was a stoppage here, and it could throw a monkey wrench into this whole quote-unquote mystery of the swamp thing. Uh, Whether you believe that it's the government stopping them that's throwing the monkey wrench in, or the fact that they actually found enough Mi'kmaq evidence to then have to cause the stopping, which makes you believe that maybe the swamp is really just First Nations in origin. That's got to be disappointing. Two, The incredible amount of money spent at the money pit and yielding no results, or at least results which Marty Lagina himself called disappointing. And the other thing that makes you think this has been a real tough year was the fact that they indeed found no Billy Gerhardt stump truck size load of gold and silver that these experts told them was down there in the ground, right where they look this year. It was a tough pill to swallow for everyone, searchers and viewers alike. And I don't want to wrap up here without mentioning the initial reaction for the finale from the patrons, uh, who were a little let down, to say the least. Steve wrote, no cliffhanger, disappointing wrap-up. Brian wrote, folks, I hate to say it, I love the show, I am still here, but they mailed the season finale in. I was jacked for this episode, and it turned out to be like the Minnesota Wild playoff opener, a dud. And then Merrily wrote, ugh, glad I went to the Red Sox game instead of staying home for that. Now, I got to say, I'm not sure I totally agree. Um, I think they did the best with what they had to work with. Um, And that might be the real problem here, right? I mean, they didn't find anything this year. Uh, The season was, I I hate to say this because they got to admit this, it was a disappointment for the team. And even though they tried to make it all look positive, just look at their faces again in this scene. You could tell they were disappointed. All right, that's it for the Diggin' Oak Island podcast, this episode at least. Uh, shameless plug time, don't forget, I uh, DJing on WDVR-FM radio Wednesday afternoons, 2 to 5 p.m. Uh, from 2 to 4, you can find me hosting a show called The Bourbon Street Bistro, playing the music of New Orleans, and then 4 to 5, we host a show called Island Vibes, where I play uh, music with a little bit of a tropical feel. You can go to WDVRFM.org to listen or just tell Alexa to turn on WDVR. Um, let's see what else we want. Oh, I, I, I want to thank everybody again for becoming a patron. Those of you who have, I can't tell you how much your friendship and, and your involvement in the patron is meant to me. Um, and don't forget, you can help out the show if you're not already by becoming a patron. Uh, if you think the show's worth five bucks a month to you, then head over to patreon.com slash digging Oak Island to learn more. And also, if you uh, want to help out the podcast in another way besides money, uh, then you can do so by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your shows. A big thank you to everyone who has left us a five-star rating already. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to do that. And thank you especially for the kind words. 
Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Digging Oak Island. And again, if you have any questions or comments that you want to send directly to me, you can do so via email, digginoakisland at gmail.com. Just keep in mind, if you do send me an email or direct message on social media, I might just answer it here on a podcast. So if you don't want your message read aloud, please make a note of that for me. So until we speak again, I'm Dave McBride. Thank you for listening to Digging Oak Island. Thank you.